Amen. And thank you so much, Brother Moore. All right, Colossians chapter 1. We're starting a new passage of Scripture on the subject. And just for the sake, uh, I know all of you know what I've been preaching on forever and ever. But there's probably somebody out there that has the broadcast tuned in and they don't know or this message may go somewhere else in the world and they may not know. But I had been preaching through the book of Galatians and had come to the last chapter of Galatians and it is the most unique chapter in all of the book. And that passage of scripture that all of us ought to pay really close attention to which says, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, a man or a woman or a young person, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also uh, reap. And, oh, you know, I've not preached anything on the negative part of that. I've not preached anything other than just mention what I'm about to mention. I don't think I have to. I believe that all of us understand that we've seen it. We've actually witnessed it. And I've probably witnessed more on the negative side of that than on the positive side. But I've just felt led to preach from the positive side of that. He says that he that soweth to the flesh would reap corruption. And he that soweth to the spirit should reap life. And so that's been the topic for some time now. How to sow to the Spirit. And I don't know how long I've been bringing messages on that that part of that. But this is one of them. We come to a place some time ago where that I shared with you that our prayers was sowing to the Spirit. I mean, it probably is the most obvious part of the subject. uh, That praying when we are sincere, when we pray sincerely... And when we pray in the will of God and uh, with a right burden on our heart and a right objective in our prayer life, we are following the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads God's people to pray about things related to His purpose, His plan, His will, His honor, His glory, and the building of His kingdom and cause and the edifying of His church. I know that. As a matter of fact, sometime back when I started that, I said, if you take notes, I want you to, you can write down things that you can biblically pray for because it was prayed for in the Bible. Now, we're going to look at one of the examples where the Apostle Paul prayed for something, and I believe, this is my belief, that if he was moved of the Spirit of God to pray the things that he prayed for the church at Colossae, I could pray that same thing for Emmanuel Baptist Church. I can pray it. And I know that I'm praying in the will of God when I do that because I found it in the Bible. And so tonight we come to this first chapter of the book of Colossians. And I'm, there's about six things that are mentioned here about what he prayed for. I'm going to read them all. I'm going to read down verse 9 through verse 12. And, of course, verse 13 is my favorite verse in the whole book. But I I won't be able to leave this portion of Scripture without making comment 
on that, and I'll just tell you what it says already. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. If you're saved tonight, you've got a lot to be thankful for because that's what's happened to you. That is what's happened to you. And I don't know, I may preach for about six months on that one verse of Scripture because it means so much to me. It does. That's my hope. That's my that that's what brings me the greatest joy and peace in my heart to know that that's true just to know it's true but anyway let me read as god blesses his word verse 9 through verse 12 all of them are mentioned there and of course i'll be going back and taking taking those things one at a time and i'll be addressing them first of all he says in verse 9 for this cause we also since the day we heard it, listen to this, do not cease to pray for you, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness giving thanks unto the father which hath made us meet or suitable to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light wow what a prayer request what a prayer request and you know, I thought about this passage of Scripture this morning. I was, uh, I've, for the last two Sunday mornings, I've, I've brought a message on, I got to looking, looking up the two words. One thing. One thing. Just one thing. And uh, last Sunday morning, it was what Jesus said to the rich young ruler. One thing lackest thou. In other words, it's going to send you to hell. And that one thing that he lacked was you can't serve God and mammon. Nobody is nobody will go to heaven who hasn't separated. That doesn't mean that those things that we own in this world are are sin. It's not sin for us to have stuff. It's not sin. I'm, everybody I probably here tonight has got a bank account to some level, to some degree. And it's not sin to have things. It's a sin for things to have me. When they have me, I'm the slave to them. And I can't be a servant of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and be a servant of money or the servant of stuff, no matter what it might be, stuff. And uh, I've told this before, I got, I got a little car. That's probably the favorite car I've ever had in my life. And, uh, and I just love that little thing. And, and, uh, I'm so thankful for it. Man, it zips me everywhere I need to go and it will really zip me. I mean, it really will. I mean, you know, I, I'm one of these that grew up. I had a 55 Chevrolet, a 56 Chevrolet. I had a 66 Chevelle. I had, boy, I had some cars that would flat burn the tars and I burnt my share of rubber on the road. But this little car is a four cylinder. And it'll smoke them. <laughs> it, it really, I love that little car. I really do. And here recently, 
between oil changes, it had never used a drop of oil, and I had to put three quarts of oil in it. And I took it back to the dealer, and they said, your engine and transmission is warranted for 100,000 miles. We'll back it up. If something's happened, we'll put you a new motor in it. That's pretty good, wasn't it? But they did. They told me that. But they said, we'll have to change the oil ourselves the first time they've ever done that. And we'll have to change it, and you bring it back in 1,000 miles, and we'll check it. I just put 1,000 miles on it, and it's right on full. I'm so happy it was something wrong with the oil. You know, multigrade oil, they put additives in it to make it, uh, it starts out five weight, but it ends up 20 or 30 weight. The reason is they put, uh, they put additives in the oil. Something was wrong with my oil. But anyway, it hadn't used any oil. I love that little car, but that little car don't own me. I own it. And I'll tell you something, if something happened to it, it was just a piece of uh, metal, and they make them every day, and, you know, that kind of thing. But we need to be careful about that kind of thing. And then this morning I brought a message where the psalmist said, This one thing I desire, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of God and behold His beauty. And uh, what an awesome text that was. And I thought about that this morning when I thought about this text. Paul mentions about six things here that he's praying for. And I said to this this morning, for the psalmist to say this one thing, well, all of us has got a list. What it meant was, this is priority. If I have to lay aside everything else, this is one thing I'm not going to lay aside because I've enjoyed sweet communion with my Lord and I want to continue to do that as long as I live. And that's what that was all about. And I thought about that this morning because he mentions more than one thing. Now, I started uh, verse 9. Now verse 10 says that you might walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing, fruitful and every good work, increasing in knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering and joyfulness, giving thanks to the Father, which hath made us suitable to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of light. Saints of light, that's a neat statement, isn't it? Saints of light, that's what saints are. If they're truly saints, they're saints of light. They're not saints because the Roman Catholic Church has made them saints. I'm a saint because my Lord made me one. <laughs> Amen? That's the, that's the biblical way to understand that. But here's the first thing I want to share with you. As I read this, I picked up something immediately in verse 9. And here's what it says. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. For this cause... And I, I, what I noted in that was, surely that's going to identify what inspired Paul to pray the prayer that he prayed. And, and it did. And I want you to just look back with me here. Uh, I'll start in verse number 1. I'll read down to verse 9. And I want to point out something that when we sincerely pray, now listen to this. When we pray and pray right, we pray because we're moved to. Or we don't. You understand that? Have you ever had somebody to ask you to pray about something and you was negligent or apathetic about it or whatever and went your way and never thought any more about it? You understand what I'm saying? 
All of us are guilty of that. I am. I'm guilty of that. There's been times when I've gotten so many prayer requests that I just maybe dismiss something that I, uh, you know, or whatever was busy or what have you. We all do that. But there's a reason here, and that's the, that's the case with all of us when we really pray. We pray because we're moved to, is what the Bible would teach us. So I'm going to back up here and just read these verses that come down to verse 9 and share it with you. Look at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. Oh, what an awesome blessing it is to be what you are by the will of God. Amen? That's just the way it is. And, uh, and Timotheus, our brother, that's Timothy. And my son Timothy's nickname from his dad is Timotheus. I call him that every once in a while. In verse 2 he says, To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. And then he says, Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to make a little comment about that verse. You know, I've had people to tell me, you know, they say, you believe there's one God, and I do. We are, what do you call it, monotheistic? Yes, monotheistic. That means we believe there's one God. And I've had people to say, oh, there's too many places in the Bible would, would uh, make you not believe that. And like this here where it says, from God uh, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, and saying, there's two gods. There's God the Father and there's God the Son. There's a lot of people that believe that, by the way. And uh, I just want to say that when you find Scripture like this, please understand something that Jesus is being referred to in his mediatorial office. That's what he's being referred to. That's not the only thing. He's being referred to as having been vested with our nature, with flesh and blood and bone. See, Jesus is, you find, if you read the Gospels real carefully, you know that uh, you find a verse where it speaks of him in his human nature, as a man, Jesus was completely man and completely God. And they're separated in the scripture. And uh, not only that, but in his, it's speaking of him in his covenant relationship with the Father. You know, and he said over and over, I come to do the Father's will. And, uh, and, and all of that that Jesus said, he was speaking from the standpoint of his human, Jesus was a man. And he also was God. He's the eternal Son of God. He's always been God. He's always going to be God. Jesus Christ uh, will. And so when you find that, that's why it lists it that way. It's God the Father and the man Christ Jesus. Or the mediator Christ Jesus. Or the covenant Son of God Christ Jesus. That's why it's mentioned in there in that way. And so when somebody comes to you and says, you know, I don't believe that. You know, the Bible still says that uh, he never diminished his eternal godness or divinity, however you might want to say it. As a matter of fact, in the 10th chapter of John, I don't remember which verse it is, he made this statement, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. So that's why it's listed that way. Verse 3, Paul says this, listen, we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, there it is again, see, Praying always for 
you. Praying always for you. God help me as a pastor to always pray for the church. And, you, and I would wish that you would make that same request to God. Always help me to do that. Because the Bible says, seeing you're jealous, zealous of good works, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. That's the real test. The real test. He goes on, verse 4, and this is the main verse that Paul's talking about, said, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard it. Verse 4, since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and the love which you have to all of the saints. See, there was something going on in this church. And I want to tell you what it was, clearly. The hand of God was at work. Amen? The hand of God was at work. I told you a story this morning about how many good experiences that I'd had in, when, the, when the churches assembled together, assembled together, that I'd seen God move. And God moved in my life every major time that I have since the moving of God in my personal life. It's been in the sanctuary. It's been among God's people where Jesus uh, promised that He would be present with us. It says, since we heard of your faith and the love which you have for the saints, for the hope or because of, that's what the word for means there, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before, in the word of the truth of the gospel. That's where you heard it. That's where I heard it. That's where my hope come from. It was because of the gospel of truth. And then he says in verse 6, talking about that gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit. I want to tell you all something. I preach it all the time, and I believe it with all my heart. Where the word of God is proclaimed, and the Spirit of God has blessed the word, there will be fruit. Always there will be fruit. You say, but preacher, I don't have any fruit in my life. And I've been in the presence of the preaching of the Word for years. Well, I want to tell you the reason why. It's because the Holy Spirit was not using the Word in your life. And there's a reason for it. And I'd be finding out if it was true for me. But it always brings forth fruit. As I quoted this morning, Isaiah chapter... Uh, well, it's verse 11. Whichever chapter it is, it's verse 11. God said, My Word will not return void. How many of you believe that His Word always accomplishes exactly what He wills for it to accomplish? You, oh, listen, let me tell you something. You might say, well, preacher, there's people don't pay attention to the preaching. You ought to, be, you ought to be so discouraged and out of sorts over that and everything. I go home and sleep like a baby because guess what I know? I've done what God led me to do. And if He's not doing it, I sure can't, amen. I sure can't do it. I'm not, you know, I can't. I could twist arms and stomp feet and do everything in the world, throw a pure fit. But if God's not doing it, it's not going to be done. And he goes on to say, Bring us forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day you heard it, talking about the gospel, and knew the grace of God in truth. Now, this verse brings that out. The fruit is the word of God plus the Holy Spirit, plus the grace of God. 
You remember all those sermons I preached on the grace of God that it's more than divine favor. It's more than God's riches. It is something that works in us to accomplish God's purpose. That's what He gives it for. And it always works. Verse 7, And you also learn uh, of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who uh, is for you a faithful minister of Christ. Now, uh, we might think Paul started this church. But Paul didn't start this church. There's nothing in the Bible that would teach us that he started the church. As a matter of fact, I've not been able to ever find anything that says Paul was ever there personally. This man here is where he got his information from. This man, the faithful minister, uh, Epaphras, uh, was the man who uh, started the church and pastored the church. And then in verse 8 he says, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. It's only kind that counts. Your love in the Spirit. If we don't have love in the Spirit, we don't have the love. We don't have agape love. And then we come to our text this evening. We come to our text. And uh, I want to say this about the text right quick. I won't have time to address anything that's mentioned in here. I can't wait. I'm chomping at the bits to be able to do that because it's so good. But I would tell you something that I discovered here in this passage of Scripture. I realized, as a matter of fact, the first thought that I had was that Paul mentioned the most important thing first. Now that doesn't mean the rest of it's not important, but it means that it's actually dependent. One thing is dependent on another. And let me bear that out. I I could go to the end of this 12th verse, and I share with you, go backward. I can go backward with it. He says, partakers of the inheritance of the saints of light, in verse 12. Now, let me tell you something. One is not a partaker of the inheritance of the saints of life without the one that's mentioned before, which is giving thanks to the Father which hath made us suitable to be that. Uh, If you're a Christian tonight, if you're a partaker of the inheritance of the saints, you are because He made you so. You made you so. You can't save yourself. You can't do anything to be saved. You You can think all you want to about, I'm going to do this good work and that good work, and maybe one of these days I make it in. You're just in trouble, my friend. Because that's not how it happens. We're not saved by works. The Bible tells us that in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace through faith are you saved, that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You say, well, where does the works come from? It comes from verse 10 of chapter 2. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, that He hath before ordained that we should walk therein. That's how it happens. That's how it happens. So nobody can enjoy that inheritance uh, of the saints of light apart from being made so by Almighty God. Then we look at the uh, next thing. The next thing actually is giving thanks unto the Father. Giving thanks to the Father depends on something that was mentioned prior to that, which is this. Uh, he says here, unto all patience and long-suffering and joyfulness. Well, it, listen, if you can't give thanks to the Father, 
then I'll just tell you already that you're not in this category here of patience and long-suffering and joyfulness. If you, if you can't do that, and then that depends on the statement that goes before it, which says this, strengthen with all might according to His glorious power unto those things that I just mentioned. Well, so is it dependent on the thing that went before? It sure is. Strengthened with all might. And then the next statement that's made here in verse number 10, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Well, I want to tell you something, my friend. That's not possible without the statement that's made before it, which says that you might walk worthy of the Lord in all pleasing. Well, I've got to tell you something. Somebody that's not walking in the Lord in all pleasing is not going to be fruitful. How could they be? And I, I brought this message. I talked to you about people doing good things, and good things are good things in, in themselves. But it not, might not be that it's acceptable unto God. And then that's not possible without the statement that's made prior to that. And that is the first one that comes in line, and I believe the most important one. Do not cease, he says, I do not cease to pray for you in verse 9, and to desire, oh my goodness, to desire that. Wouldn't you like to have somebody that's praying for you to desire what he said? If somebody says, if you're going to tell somebody to pray for you, I'm going to tell you all tonight. You want to pray for your preacher? Now, two or three of you do. You tell me almost every week. I pray for you. I get a text from one of our members every single day. And it says this, Brother Thomas, I've prayed for you this morning. And, and then sometimes they say what they pray for. And Isn't that something? Well, if you want to pray for your preacher as we close tonight, I'm going to tell you what to pray for, what to desire, that I might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So tonight, when you pray for the preacher before you go to sleep, or in the morning, if that's when you do it, you just open your Bible and you say, Lord, this is what I pray for my preacher, that he'd be filled with the knowledge of your will. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you like that? That's good stuff, isn't it? Okay, next week we'll be taking each of these things individually, and we'll see what the Bible has to say about them. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity we have to gather together as we are here this evening, and to uh, lift it up and to rejoice in it. Father, if a person can't rejoice in your word, they just can't rejoice in you because it's inseparable. I cannot separate the living word from the written word. And Lord, I thank you for it because if I want to know your mind and your purpose and your will for my life, this is where I found, find it. I find it in the love letter that you have written for us. Thank you for it. Praise you for it. Now bless us as we close this part of our service and speak to our hearts. Draw us closer 
to you. It's our humble prayer in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. Would you stand with me, please?